0: and what we read in james today in james 3 2 through 10 is that uh the tongue is a hard thing to control and let's face it we need the lord's help in doing so and we're here today on the sunday before ash wednesday you know we're not having an ash wednesday service this year but i saw a little bit earlier this week where somebody was asked what they were going to be doing uh, on Ash Wednesday what they were doing for Ash Wednesday and she said she's going to be rubbing dirt on people's faces and tell them they're going to die (laughs) (laughs) and that's basically what you do on Ash Wednesday isn't it put ashes on the foreheads, and then you say from dust you came and for from dust you shall, and to dust you shall return. And so there's a lot of truth in that. And that's one of the things that we have to face up to and fess up to uh, during the season of Lent is our mortality. And that there are a lot of things that we'd like to have control over that we have no control over at all. And that we all need the Lord's help and the Lord's power in our lives. And as we look at all that, we can be so grateful that he's made a way for us when there was no way. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, had a, uh, a list of 22 questions to ask people for self-examination. And as we begin Uh, This time going into Lent. And as I go through these 22 questions, notice how many of them involve our words. Listen to this. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Number two, Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Number three, do I confidentially pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Number four, can I be trusted? Number five, am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Number six, am I self-conscious, self-pitying? Or self-justifying? Number seven. Did the Bible live in me today? Number eight. Do I give it time to speak to me every day? Number nine. Am I enjoying prayer? Number 10. When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Number 11. Do I pray about the money I spend? Number 12, do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Number 13, do I disobey God in anything? Number 14, do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Number 15, am I defeated in any part of my life? Sixteen, am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? Seventeen, how do I spend my spare time? Eighteen, am I proud? Nineteen, do I thank God that I am not as other people, especially as the Pharisees who, do, the Pharisee who despise the publican? Number 20. Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Number 21. Do I grumble or complain constantly? And finally, is Christ real to me? A lot of those things that uh, we need to be looking at during Lent involves what we say. And so that's why I wanted to kick this week off talking about it. James refers to a, a horse who's large, powerful, and controlled by a little bit in its mouth. He talks about ships. They can be huge but their direction is just controlled by a little rudder. In both of these examples, something very small steers something that is big and powerful. And then he says, the tongue is a little thing, but it is so powerful. And he compares it to a small fire that winds up destroying an entire forest. Let's face it, our words are so powerful they can heal they can give hope they can give life and they can destroy and the words that come out of our mouths determine the the direction and the trajectory of our lives they affect us And they affect the people around us. And the Lord makes it clear. We are responsible for our words. You remember Isaiah in the temple? And all of a sudden the Lord was revealed to him in all his glory. And uh, he was there because he was concerned about the future of his nation. And he realized as he saw the Lord, that he was a man of unclean lips, and that he lived among a people of unclean lips. Now notice that God's revelation of himself to Isaiah also revealed himself to himself, Isaiah to Isaiah. Uh, and whatever he realized. In the presence of God, who he really was, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He realized that he and all the other people in his country had defiled themselves with their mouths. When he came to that realization, he repented, He repented of his sin. He repented of the sin of his mouth. He confessed it. And then the Lord sent an angel with a live coal from the altar and touched it to his lips and cleansed him. And then he was fit to serve the Lord in helping others to find forgiveness and cleansing of their guilt. Realizing that our words condemn us this morning I want to share with you five types of words that bring us condemnation. First, the abundance of words, talking too much. Proverbs ten nineteen says where there are many words transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. You probably know someone who's a talkaholic, someone that just seems like they may be sitting in here right now, just biting their tongue, trying not to talk even during the service, you know. But uh, I can remember apparently my mom thought when I was little, I was a talkaholic because uh, I used to ask questions all the time, all the time. Why this? Why that? I was a curious little guy. I wouldn't know everything. And uh, I didn't realize it was driving my mom nuts. But uh, one time uh, she was kind of concerned that morning and she said that she'd had a dream. And I asked her what it was about. I was curious about that, talking about the dream. So uh, she explained to me that we were in a store shopping in a department store. And all of a sudden, a madman came in with a big iron pipe. And he was running around just crushing people's heads, just whacking them in the head with this pipe right and left. And uh, so everybody was trying to hide and duck. And so we hid behind a counter. We're down low. And I was there asking, what's that man doing, Mommy? Why is he doing that, Mommy? And uh, next thing you know, the guy was coming toward her and me with that pipe. And that's when she woke up. Thank goodness. But, you know, we process things. I was driving her insane with my talking. There are people who do that. Gosh, there's an old song. You remember, You Talk Too Much? There used to be a song, You Worry Me to Death. Listen, I can't remember. the I'm not going to sing it for you for sure. Anyway, some people are talkaholics. If we want to have power in our lives, We need to control our words. Learn to be wise with your words. Learn that you need to be wise with your words. Second kind of words, careless words. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak shall give an accounting for it. In the day of judgment, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Even casual words, careless words will bring destruction into your life and into the lives of others. Gossip, tail bearing, passing on unverified rumors. Words said in anger without thinking. Now, just looking back over the past few weeks and what I have seen in the lives of uh, people I have been around, even people I love, I put this down as one of the most dangerous. Words spoken in anger. Some people just habitually say things that they know are going to hurt when they're angry and those words can carry on in the life of the recipient for a lifetime. Here's an example from my family. My grandmother on my father's side once told me that when she was, uh, young, that her, uh, her father was, or she told, he told her that uh, she better get a good education because she wasn't going to make it on her looks. Uh, it turns, he said that he had once won the title of being the ugliest man in town. And he looked, and she looked like him. So uh, that's aroused my curiosity as a little boy. And I started asking questions. As I said, I did that. The next thing I knew, my grandmother, who had a degree from Sam Houston uh, University, who was a teacher, who introduced the game of football to Cleveland, Texas High School, was in tears saying, my daddy loved me. I know he loved me. Apparently, my great grandfather had been careless, careless with his words and it, they stung and they kept hurting long long after he said them and long long after he was gone careless words can hurt deeply my father on the other hand recounted to me on more than one occasion her gra- my grandmother telling him in anger I wish you'd never been born. Now, what can hurt somebody more than their mother telling them that they wish they'd never been born? He carried that pain to his grave. He would mention it from time to time. He I discovered recently that uh, thousands of Tasmanian devils have died from a rare type of cancer called devil facial tumor disease. And scientists discovered that the cancer began in the mouth of a single Tasmanian devil, and it spread through bites from that Tasmanian devil. They bite each other around the mouth very frequently, and uh, this cancer spread through those bites. And over the course of several years, over 40% of the Tasmanian devil population has died because of this cancer. Uh, The initial pain is momentary, but then it sets in slowly, robbing its victim of its life. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful with our words I don't know how many times I've heard someone say, oh, you know, I didn't really mean that. I was just mad or or, I was just upset. I didn't mean that. Like being angry was a reason to lie. Anyway, uh, two things about that. First, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Why would you say something you didn't mean? I'll tell you why to hurt and what's really weird and what's really strange and what makes no sense at all that people want to hurt people they say they love. Whenever you really love someone, you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want to say words that are going to uh, uh, destroy their self-esteem. You don't want to call them names that belittle them. You don't want to do that sort of stuff if you love someone. But people do it anyway. And I'm sure it's because they were treated that way. That's what they were taught. But we need to repent. It needs to stop with us. If you're one that does that, you need to stop it now. It doesn't need to go forward. First of all, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Next, if you say something hurtful or mean in a fit of anger or agitation that you don't mean, there's a name for that. It's called a lie. And we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in a little bit. Next, number three, negative and complaining words. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Your life trajectory is going to be determined by what you release from your mouth. There was a time a long time ago when I got concerned about all the negativity in our home and I prayed about it. And then the Lord one day as I walked into the house, let me hear myself. I was the problem. It wasn't them. It was me. If something was done properly, that's the way it was supposed to be done. So nothing was said. However, if something was wrong, you better say something about it so it won't continue. And so the Lord just sat me down and asked me, If all your wife and kids know about you is from what you say, what do you suppose they think? And you know what? I had to confess after just recounting some of my own, going through some of my own conversations. My conclusion about me would be, there's just no pleasing this guy. I would never let anybody know what I liked. I would never know anybody what pleased me. I was always making sure people knew what was wrong. I had to repent. And so the Lord gave me an assignment. I was supposed to go for two weeks without saying one negative word. Now, you've got to realize we had young kids in the house at that time. Teenagers, uh, all, all uh, from from like you know, from kindergarten to senior in high school, and uh, so the house there was lots of things to gripe about. So anyway, I just had to bite my tongue when I would see anything wrong, and so like uh, I looked in one of my daughter's rooms, every piece of her clothing was carpet. <laughs> She just laid it. It was out on the floor. There was one coat hanging in the closet. That was it. So instead of suggesting that all those clothes be put back up, I just looked at that coat. And I looked at my daughter. And I said, "So and so, that's really nice the way you hung that coat up." <laughs> it hurt. It hurt to walk away with just saying that. But I kept doing that. And after a couple of days, I noticed something that just about broke my heart. All of a sudden, as I gave compliments and told people what pleased me, my kids were trying hard to do those things. They didn't have much to go on, so they kept doing the same things over and over again. But uh, it let me see. They wanted, they love their daddy. They wanted to please their daddy. I never really, never really shown them how. Telling them what's wrong doesn't get that done. Telling them what's right goes a long way. They wanted to please me. I just hadn't given them any clues as to how. Now, a nation's trajectory is also determined by what's released from its people's mouths. Isaiah 58, 9 says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am, if, big if right here you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and, and speaking wickedness sounds like the United States today. We're going to have to turn some things around with what we say to each other and what we say all across our nation. Our nation has become a nation full of people who accuse and speak falsehood continually and until we repent of this, our nation is going to remain under an oppressive yoke and we're not going to know the Lord's blessing. Lying words, number four. I've shared this long, long time ago with y'all, but uh, one time we, I had a, a, a good friend of mine that spent the night with me. And the next morning, my little sister insisted on fixing breakfast to impress this guy. And she burned the bacon and she was just mortified because she burned the bacon. My dad just hated seeing his little girl being so mortified and down and says, Oh, charcolated bacon. I just love charcolated bacon. Thank you. So and so for charcolated bacon. Well, just like my kids picked up on what I liked, his little girl picked up on what he liked. And so every morning she was insisting on fixing breakfast so that her daddy could have charcolated bacon because she's the only way that could do it right. Until finally, the rest of us just had to gang up on my dad and say, hey, you started this mess. We're tired of eating burned bacon. And you're going to have to do something about it. And he was getting tired of charcolated bacon, too. And so he had to break the news that he really didn't like charcolated bacon. Your words will come back on you in ways you would never imagine. Uh, my father's lie was spoken with the best of intentions. He just wanted to have somebody, his little girl's heart not be broken. But that little lie went a long way and he had to finally tell the truth. You know, I've read across this picture this past week where the husband and wife are getting ready for a big event. The husband's over fixing his tie and uh, the wife is putting on a dress And she says those words that every man dreads. Does this dress make me look fat? (laughs) And he was there doing his tie. He said, do I look stupid? (laughs) Now, which one of those questions would you rather answer? I mean... They both set themselves up for something and they both set each other up for something. If she says yes, what's going to happen to him? And if he says something like, oh, no, honey, it's not the dress that makes you look fat. Uh, then he's setting himself up for something else. And there's there's no way. It's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. So you just have to not lie. Don't lie. Don't tell her that. Don't tell him. Yeah, don't do that. You just change the subject or something, but don't do that. I tell you with all sincerity this morning that uh, our words, our lies, even our lies that are given with good intention are not acceptable to God. You can't justify lies. The devil is the father of lies. Revelation 21, five through eight. Then the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write down what I have said. My words are true and can be trusted Everything is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give water from the life-giving fountain to everyone who is thirsty. All who win the victory will be given these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my people. But I will tell you what will happen to cowards and to everyone who is unfaithful or dirty-minded, or who murders, or is sexually immoral, or uses witchcraft, or worships idols, (coughs) or tells lies, they will be thrown into that lake of fire and burning sulfur. This is the second death. I saw where somebody said the other day, you know, if liars' pants were really caught on fire, the news would be a lot more interesting. <laughs> Lying words put us on a course that goes straight to hell. And they could put a nation on the same course. Number five, the last one. Words through which we criticize or judge others. Matthew 7-2. For the way you judge You will be judged and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. What comes out of your mouth will determine the direction of your life. What defiling, condemning words most hinder your walk with the Lord? Which kind of these do you need to be working on? One particular one or possibly all of the above? As we close our service today, do you remember what happened in Isaiah when he realized that his words had condemned him? An angel took a live coal with tongs from the altar of God and placed it on his lips and cleansed them. Although we can never take back one hurtful, damaging word that we have ever said, the Lord has cleansing for us. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. As much as you might regret what you've said, and let's face it, some of the people you said, to those, said those words to probably aren't with us anymore. But the Lord can cleanse you, it says, from all unrighteousness. We need to watch our words Instead of an angel coming to us, the Lord himself has come to us. And he hasn't brought a live coal from the altar of God with uh, tongs to cleanse us. Instead, he's brought his own blood through the cross, which is more powerful and cleansing than anything else in heaven or on earth. And so today, let us remember Any condemning words we have uttered, confess them and receive the Lord's cleansing and then resolve prayerfully from this moment on to watch your words. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.